The Frituals, written and performed by author Caitlin Costello. Chapter 23. Baron. After his meeting, Baron returns to his room, where he sleeps for a few hours before waking up, feeling clammy and tense. His dreams had been flashbacks of his mother dragging him out of bed and through the burning city of Bulandon before it had fallen. His father hadn't warned his mother when they were going to attack. He remembers the buildings crumbling around him and the magic. He knows what it was now, but then, when he'd first seen it, it had terrified him. He still feels the hair on the back of his neck rise whenever he sees the black coils. He goes to the water pitcher and splashes cool water on his face and neck, trying to wash away the memories that he knows are going to haunt him for the next few weeks as he stays in Bulandon. He grabs a towel off the stand and begins patting his face dry. He looks up into the mirror and notices for the first time how tired he looks. Being on for the night duties is hard. His days are flipped. He can't remember the last time he woke with the sunrise. He sits on the bed and grabs a notebook his father has given him. The notes inside started out as neat notes in bullet point lists. Baron can see where his father has gotten excited by the things he was finding, drawing arrows and inserting page references. Just decoding this notebook will take weeks, following every piece of his father's mind as it went along. This mind map is how his father's mind worked. Baron sighs and snaps the book shut. He opens the wardrobe and pulls out the few articles of clothing that he owns that aren't black and pulls them on. A pair of dark brown trousers and a green shirt. He pulls on his boots, the same pair he has owned for several years that he just keeps getting resold. He doesn't make enough money being a guard to buy a new pair. He shoves a few more possessions in a bag. The notebook, a pencil, an extra shirt and pants, and some socks. He reaches up to the top of his wardrobe and pulls down his sword and a small knife, sliding it into his boot. He slings the bag over his shoulder, and as he looks around the room, buckles on the sword. There isn't much in the room itself besides these belongings. He's about to leave when he turns back and lifts his mattress, pulling out a small picture frame. It is a sketch of his mother. Baron knows he isn't what she would have wanted him to be, but he isn't what he wanted to be. If Baron is honest... With himself, he doesn't know what he wants to be. He opens his bag back up and gingerly places the photo of his mother in the bag, wrapped up in a shirt to keep it safe. Baron skins the room one more time. Sure, he will be back here soon, but for now, he feels a sense of dread stepping out of the door. Baron walks through the halls, and not for the first time he realizes how trapped he has always felt here. The walls feel constricting. There isn't a single window. The only time he sees the outside world is spent sitting on the top of a wall, looking out into the black of night. He feels the weight of his father's position crushing him. The eyes that follow him, expecting him to be just like his father. If he makes a move out of line, he's a radical, like his mother. He likes going and talking to the monk, as his father calls him. Baron smiles. If his father knew just how well he already knew Alois, he would be rather annoyed. Baron runs up the stairs to the tower three at a time. He can make it in eight strides. He counted every time he went up to meet with the elf. He knocks four times. His little code to Alois that it was him and not some other guard coming to be cruel to him. 
Alois, I'm coming in, he says, in the tough voice guards use, so that if anyone were listening, they would think he was doing a routine check on the elf. Enter at your own will, the elf replies. Baron opens the door to find Alois sitting at the crude box he uses as a writing desk. He'd been given an old food crate to do whatever monks do. He has worn the surface down from so much use that the sides are a much darker color than the top. It is splattered with bits of wax from the many candles Baron had brought the elf that he has burned through in his time in the cell. He took rocks and made them into legs so that the desk would sit on Alois's lap and be propped up a little bit closer to him. Master Baron, for what do I owe the pleasure of this visit? Alois asks, beginning to slide out from under his desk. Please, don't get up, friend. Baron motions, coming down to sit next to his friend. This visit is not of my own will. Though you know, I love to come and visit you. I'm sorry I haven't come to visit you recently. Alois shrugs. It is all right, Baron. Your father has had me working on this absurd list of traits for a ritual. So, you already know why I'm here, then? Baron sighs, leaning against the wall. I thought it was pointless. You are much wiser than your father on that front. There is a reason we do the tests. Or did. We don't know who the ritual is. There normally aren't traits that are made apparent until they have been tested. From what I can gather from the reports your father has given me, the fire ritual was a different case, but I believe that was caused by stress and fear of losing his loved one. Perhaps being around others who were casting magic triggered it? I don't think his powers would have been revealed in any other way. Baron pulls out the notebook his father had given him. He gave me this. I can't really piece together what he means, though, though I only glanced at it before I came up here. Alice flips through the pages, turning back and forth between notes Nurzan had made. I follow the train of thought, but just. He clearly spent a lot of time searching for this person, which we already knew. I do not mean to offend, but your father is obsessed with finding the frituals. Baron nods, the spirit fritual in particular. He won't admit it, but he is guilty. He destroyed his home to find a person based on a rumor. My mother died because of that rumor. I think he feels if he finds them... It might validate some of all that happened. I don't believe it will, though. Alois sighs. Those rumors circle every year. Your father was just overtaken by the idea of the Dark Ones at the time, to believe what anyone would tell him. How long have they had their control over him? Well, Bulandin fell four years ago now? So, about five years. Baron pauses. Alois, how come none of the other kingdoms came to help us? The elf sighs. That is something I myself would very much like to know. One of the reports I was able to get smuggled in here said that the elven kingdoms have stopped communicating, so they thought we had exiled them. It makes sense for elves. I question how the world of man didn't hear. Their timelines are much shorter than ours. That should be something you try to understand when you leave. I would love to know. Alois pulls a pencil out of his pocket and opens to the next blank page in the notebook. I knew some men in Bulandin that might be willing to give you some information about what happened in the time since the fall. I wouldn't say who you are, but say that you know me. Baron looks at the note. It reads, Jansen Scott, 57 River Lane. What am I looking for? I don't know if it's still there, Alois replies, scooting out from under his desk 
and plucking up another candle as the one on his desk begins to sputter out. But it was once a tavern. Jansen was the owner. He lights the wick of the new candle, then holds the base of the candle over the still-burning candle to melt the bottom before sticking it down on his desk. All right. Um, Alois, do you have any idea where I should look for him if he isn't there anymore? Like, a house? Wait. This sounds familiar. He dug through his bag for the notebook again. Yes. This is where my father has bought a room. Does Mr. Jansen live elsewhere? Do you think this tavern was taken over? The elf shakes his head. No. The tavern was his home. He named it after his horse, the Pretty Penny. I didn't think she was a very pretty penny. It's the most stubborn horse I had ever met. If it still goes by the same name, he is the one running it. Baron laughs. All right. Thank you. I hope Jansen and his family are all right. It has been years. Baron thinks of when the Dark Ones had brought the monk in. They had kept him in the dungeons far below. But Nurzan grew tired of having to walk all the way down to the dungeon whenever he wanted to question the elf. So he ordered him to be moved to the tower cell, whose staircase was just down the hall from Nurzan's room. So, what is on this list my father has commissioned you to create for me? Baron asks, plucking the page from the desk. Facial markings? I thought those wouldn't show until after the ceremony that you would have to perform. You and I know this. Your father might not, Alois says with a shrug. The ability to control others' emotions, reading another's thoughts, perhaps moving things by thought. You don't really know what I need to look for, do you? Alois shakes his head. Most of the records that we had for those that could control some aspects of spirit magic were destroyed when the Dark One sacked the city. It isn't our fault. I have requested all that I can, but your father refuses to let me go into the city to try to find anything. And since they have been slowly killing off royalty, not many who are able to control it still live. Baron looks at his old friend, who has so much knowledge. Perhaps now he will let you go, if I go with you to watch over you. I could really use the company, Baron says. Elois's eyes sparkle. You have no idea how much I would give to get out of this cell and be able to walk in the light of day. He slumps slightly. I doubt your father would allow it. Baron grins. He told me I had any tools I needed at my disposal. You were a tool that I need and want by my side, of course. Well then, what are you waiting for? Go and talk to your father, Alois grins. It isn't like I'm going to be going anywhere while I wait for you. Baron rushes down the stairs and quickly feels the sense of optimism fade. How could he convince his father that he needed Alois without letting on the fact that he already knew more about him than he had initially let on? He stops at the door and listens for a moment to see whether or not his father is in a meeting with some of his generals. If he is, Baron will have to wait until it is over. There is no way that he is going to get what he needed if the other officers were there. His father was all show when he wasn't alone. Baron presses his ear up to the door and hears the pop and crackle of the fire, but no other voices. Baron lifts his hand to knock when his father comes around the corner. Ah, Baron, ready to go off into the city. Hello, father. That is actually what I came to talk to you about. Nurzen pulls a key out of his pocket and unlocks the door to his room. 
Yes, of course. What can I help you with? Do you need some of my reports? Well, I took your advice. I looked through the notes that you gave me. Then I went and spoke with Al, the monk. He had such great extent of knowledge that there was no way I would be able to get it all down. He suggested places to visit, if they're still there, and people to find that might know things. He will be a great asset to me. However, I feel like that if I leave now, I won't be fully equipped with the amount of knowledge I would need to properly execute your mission. I feel like it would benefit more if he were with me. Mirzan's eyes narrow. Did the monk suggest this to you? No, father, Baron says quickly. I suggested this of my own accord. He would stay in the apartment that you have procured for me, unless I needed his help to find a place or a person that he suggested I visit. He would simply be there as a guide for me to bounce ideas and information that I've procured off of. Baron mentally crosses his fingers as his father mulls over the idea. I suppose that is a good idea. That way you don't have to keep sending letters to him or coming back and forth from here to the city. Wasting time and possibly blowing your cover. He begins nodding as he talks, seeming to talk himself into the idea. Yes, that is a good idea, Baron. That is why I assigned this job to you. You are smart. Go tell the monk to collect what things he has. I will send for your horse in a second to be saddled. This. He opens a drawer in his desk and pulls out a small pouch. This is the money I have for you to get started. Here is a second. You will both need to try to buy new clothes to fit in. For the love of the goddess, Baron, buy a new pair of boots. Thank you, father. Baron says, taking the money and then bowing. I promise that I will not disappoint you. Baron lies. Hi everyone, I wanted to pop in and let you know, until all the stars are found, my newest book is now available for pre-order. This young adult science fiction novel will be published on March 6th, 2021. Click the link in the show notes to see where you can pick up the book today. Hi everybody, this is Caitlin Costello, the author and narrator of The Frituals. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, please leave a review or rating where you listened. It really helps to get the podcast in front of more people. If you can't possibly wait for another episode of The Frituals, fear not, because the full audiobook is now available. A slew of stores, including Google Play, Apple, HiBooks, Scribd, Chirp, Kobo, Walmart, Audiobooks.com, and Nook audiobooks, and it's being added to more stores every single day. It's also available at your local library, so if you request it from your library, they should be able to get it into their system. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. This has been a production of The Frituals, written and performed by Caitlin Costello. Text copyright 2018 to Caitlin Costello. Production copyright 2020, Caitlin Costello.